Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. I don't think I'm going to go out on a limb when I say this, but I truly believe that all of us carry some type of emotional baggage. And it's almost a cliche, you know, when you enter into a, a new relationship or you're looking for a relationship and you say, oh, yeah, I'm sure they got a lot of baggage. It is a cliche, but yeah, it's true. We've, if you've been in any kind of relationship and we all have since we were, you know, two years old or, or before that, there's usually some kind of baggage or something you're carrying with you. We're going to talk about that today. She's a licensed professional counselor, supervisor, owner, and private practitioner at Transformation Begins Within. And she's Alice Ward. She's back with us. Hey, Alice, how you doing? What's up, Steve? Happy Friday. Glad to be back. Good to have you back. And yeah, it's funny when I say back, I, 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 I always say this, I call it the backpack, the emotional backpack. It's on your back. You're carrying it around, and sometimes it gets heavy. And it's like you got to open, unzip that thing, and 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 take some of that stuff out of there. You know, the emotional stuff. When when we talk about emotional baggage or the backpack, what type of stuff are we referring to? So I want, if I can, give a definition so we can kind of know what we're talking about as we proceed. So emotional baggage. It's unprocessed emotional issues, traumas, stress, pain, and difficulties that take up space in our minds and affect our present relationships and realities, right? So they prevent us from making better life choices. It's a lot of different things can actually be in a person's backpack depending on uh, the age of the person, depending on their person's experiences. And so some of it can really start as early as childhood. We can begin to have emotional baggage, even though we might not know that. And one of the emotional pieces of bag, uh, or pieces of baggage, I should say, in childhood is perfectionism. That children often want to be perfectionists so they can earn their parents' love. So if I perform well enough, then my parents will love me or someone else, my teacher will love me or someone will like me. So that's actually the beginning of putting that in your backpack. Now, it may not weigh so much initially, but as time goes on, that little pebble will turn into a boulder if left unchecked. So that's one thing. Another piece that could be also in a backpack is abuse. So experiencing abuse, whether it is in childhood or as an adult, so carrying around abuse, carrying around trauma, really any emotion that's left unchecked can really turn into emotional baggage. So I think that that's a good place um, to start with those examples, um, if you will. For sure. And the, the perfectionism part of it, I can very much relate to. And, you know, I, I trace it back to, to my childhood and, and things that went on there. But in the other room of my office, there's a newspaper article from me when I was 17. I wanted to be a cartoonist in the beginning. And I was like, you know, yeah, I was, I was gravitating to radio and going back and forth. I almost became a syndicated cartoonist when I was like 22. Um, but this newspaper article showing my, my work is a quote from me that says, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. And I carried that with me for years until I finally realized that, you know, you can't be perfect all the time. You can try, you know, to do things right, but um, 
it, it, it definitely took me down a challenging road to make sure things were perfect. Uh, and, and why? Many different reasons. Um, but again, like you said, a lot of times it goes back to your childhood. Yes. And it becomes hard at the end of the day. Perfectionism is not something that anybody can reach. We can strive to do better. We can strive for excellence. But to be perfect is to be, if you will, at a 100% all the time. And that's impossible for any human being to be. And it becomes added pressure. And so in some ways, people don't get to develop into who he or she was created to be because you're trying to fit this norm of perfectionism, but it really doesn't exist. That's the whole thing about it. So like perfectionism, even though we use the term, it really doesn't exist, you know, in life. And if it does in a person's life, I can promise you, because I can relate on so many levels. I remember being in grad school and I started out um, wanting to excel, of course, still wanting to excel, but I remember this particular professor on one of my assignments, he gave it back to me, and it was marked up in red. And I was like, this man, who does he think he is? And I was so offended by the fact that he marked my paper up. And so I asked him, I was like, hey, like, what is this about? And he told me, he was like, well, you have some things that you need to correct. And I was like, no, I think you got it wrong. He was like, no, I have it right. And that moment really set in with me because I realized I struggled with red markings on my paper because it's, I thought it said something about me. But had my professor not did that that day, I don't really know if I already got in touch with being a perfectionist or trying to be it. And that was really the beginning of me tearing down that ideal of trying to be perfect. Because how can you get better if you're already perfect? Right? Where is your room for improvement? So that day in that class, it really taught me a lot. And I realized that he really did me a favor and even increased my growth you know, just as a person, even though I didn't like it at the time. So I appreciate those red marks after the fact. But initially, not so much. So I think that some of that, too, is like what we tell ourselves about things in life. When people correct us, then it, it doesn't leave no room for, for growth. So I think that that's really important um, to know, you know, too, because perfectionism also can create anxiety. So now that leads us into mental health issues as well. And so that's another, you know, layer of what we're talking about when we think of perfectionism. You're kind of on this hamster wheel and you're not really going to go anywhere, unfortunately. I know it sounds kind of kind of cheesy to say this, but, you know, if, you, if you're looking at the perfectionism side of things, you just have to get to the point where you say, damn, I'm good. And it's not easy, to, least- say, <laughs> it's not easy to say that. Damn, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, that's what that is. And some people are really amazing, you know, at what they do. And I think that that's a level of affirmation, knowing that you are good, but having it in a way of being humble, if you will, but not in a way of, but I think also celebrating yourself. Because it's just some people that just rock at what they do, and you can just tell that. You know, I think that that's a beautiful thing to be able to say, hey, I'm, I'm it, you know, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and sometimes... Sometimes we feel guilty or we feel that people will judge us uh, because of, let's say, egos. You know, uh, I don't want to I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that girl where people, you know, think, oh, look at him. Look at the ego on that one. But no, it's okay to say I rock that project. That's good. You know, uh, you can't and you can't turn around and say, yeah, but it could have been a little bit better. I mean, you know, there's the derail right there. Um, (laughs) It's not easy, though. It's a delicate balance, right? It really is. And I think with perfectionism, too, is often other people's standards. 
that's created for you. It's not really even standards that you created for yourself. And so yeah. if you create something for yourself to excel, then that makes it more important and even makes it more obtainable when you're trying to live up and conform to an image of people. People's image of perfectionism changes all the time. And so you're going to constantly be trying to change to fit that, you know, image. So I think part of that is learning to get to know yourself and that leads back into like emotional baggage that you can carry so many other people's expectations of you that that's also in the bag. And some expectations are unrealistic and unreachable, yet we still continue trying to do them. I think that that's a perfectionism piece, like I can do it, I can do it, but you're really hurting yourself trying to prove something that don't even need to be proved. If you're good at what you do, you're good at what you do, the end. Like I don't have anything to prove because my biggest competition is not another person, it's myself. And so every day I wake up, I compete with me. I don't compete with other people. I want to make me better every day. Well, you know what? It comes down to faith, having faith in yourself. We're going to go grab a call right now. By the way, you can reach out to us at 631-438-1576 or instantfeedbacksteve at gmail.com. Hey, who's this? Hi, my name is Kimberly. I just had a quick question. Sure. I've been on anxiety medication for years now, and I'm looking to come off of them And I actually really wanted to work on the root cause of my anxiety, but I was wondering how can counseling help with it? Wow, that's a great question. Thank Mm. you for it. Wow. In many ways, um, it can help. Number one, it can help you identify your anxiety triggers, like what triggers your anxiety. It can also help with education. I find that that's a big part of growth and healing is being educated about what you're experiencing. So, like, knowing what your symptoms are becomes important. Also, it can teach you strategies to be able to manage your anxiety as well as what's the origin of it. I think that that becomes something that becomes important. Now, I can tell you it may not be that you will just rid yourself of anxiety for the rest of your life. However, I will say that you will learn to manage anxiety and not let anxiety manage you. So therapy gives you that space to kind of start digging and getting to the root of where the anxiety is, how does it show up in your life, and learning tools to help you when that anxiety does show up. Yeah, there's lots of lots of different things that you can explore in, in realizing what's going on there. Kimberly, is that, uh, is that helpful to you? Yes. Oh, my God. Thank you so, so much. I uh, appreciate You're- you. <laughs> Thanks for checking in. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, I, I have, I, I know that we, we pivoted here for a second, uh, Alice, but, <laughs> you know, anxiety, as I see it in, in those around me and in, in, you know, my world, that it's almost rampant right now. So many people are dealing with it. You, uh, do you yeah. see that? For sure. And I think a lot of it, too, can be rooted in our core beliefs. And sometimes our core beliefs can be negative. And one of those core beliefs, especially that can, if you will, trigger anxiety, is not being good enough. Hmm. And so when a person lives their life not thinking they're good enough, that kind of goes back right into the perfectionism piece of it. But it can cause a person to spiral, and it can also cause us to enter that stress response, which is flight. So you want to flee that the stressor, you want to flee the fear of whatever that is that you're experiencing. So, yes, I would say a lot of different things are present, because of the anxiety of not being able to to have control of one's life. That can also be at the fear of the unknown. And what do I do with this? When you face things that you haven't possibly faced before, 
that can create that too. But then just how other people receive you also can create anxiety for other people, you know, as well, as far as it relates to their relationships, for sure. Yeah, and I can tell you, I'm, I'm close with somebody who I met about six months ago. And due to a trauma, uh, she had a lot of anxiety to the point where wouldn't even go to a restaurant, even mm-hmm. even a non-crowded restaurant. And I helped her along the way. She had some therapy, uh, continually does, and like we've gone to concerts now. <laughs> no wow, issue. look at you. Yeah. Yeah, and so it it can be conquered. And even back in the day before this situation arose, the traumatic situation, she had a little bit of anxiety, but but not to this degree. So that elevated it. But now she's she's to a point where you know it's all good and without a lot of meds either. So you know, people like you can help people like her um, move their lives forward. You know, through counseling and therapy and and all of that. All right. So back to the uh, back to the backpack, the emotional baggage that we might be carrying. Uh, what are some of the other things that that show up, Alice, when we we unzip that thing and we start taking stuff out? Mm, sometimes it could be um, toxic relationships, mm. and not all baggage. I want to say this: not all baggage is created equal. So if you imagine going on a trip and you have to go to the airport and get on the airplane to go to your destination, you have something that you can take on the airplane, which is called a carry-on, you know, right? And so that's normally um, accompanying your ticket. You don't normally have to pay for that. But if you have to check in luggage, that normally costs you. And so the, the emotional baggage we're talking about is that that costs you, you know, in your life. And even with an airplane, An airplane has a center of gravity. And so with that, if the gravity is off, if the balance is off in any way, and different things can create, right, an airplane balance being off, the weight, uh, the fuel load, the luggage, if you will, that's on there, the passengers, that's on there where the passengers are sitting, you know, as well. So I think part of that is thinking about that when it comes to our own life is unnecessary baggage can be weighing us down. So part of that is even do you know what's in your backpack? So I'll just go back to that. The first thing is you have to unpack your backpack. And so when you unpack your backpack, you may realize that imbalance comes from your emotional baggage because emotional baggage creates emotional imbalance. Other things that could be in your in your bag is blame, shame, could be in their guilt, denial, could be, you know, these are all ways that people cope, but a lot of ways we cope is in that backpack that you're actually talking about, being insecure or feeling insecure, you know, never being satisfied. Those are things that could actually be um, in your backpack, wanting to live someone else's life. So comparison, that can be um, in your backpack, you know, as well, wanting to, um, imposter syndrome, that could be in there too, for sure. You know, presenting one way, but really living another way, too. So I think part of that, um, too, is to know that. And everybody's backpack is different, right? Everybody has different size of backpacks. And sometimes people think the larger the backpack, the more stuff you need to put in it. And I would like to say to the contrary, like some of that needs to be taken out because the things that you're carrying around is weighing you down and it's keeping you from getting to your next level in life. You can't soar high when you have things weighing you down. Yeah. And we could go through the same situation that somebody else went through. Mm-hmm. And, and 
It's never going to be exact, but let's just say if it was. Same thing. And what you're carrying in your backpack or suitcase, it could be radically different than what I'm carrying. Like, hugely mm-hmm. different because it's how we deal with it, how we deal with that situation. So you would never know until you go through it. But, yeah, traumatic uh, relationships, that's probably, you know, I put that in the top three in terms of what's in your suitcase. Yes, and it, and it can take on different forms of what that looks like. And sometimes you really don't know that you've experienced a previous relationship that was traumatic or toxic or even parasitic in nature until you get into another one that's not like that, but you're trying to create that environment because that's how you know how to function. So a lot of those things, and even with trauma, some people don't even know certain things are traumas until you start talking to them. And they was like, oh, really? Like yelling is traumatic. And sometimes people just say, oh, I just thought that that was normal, that that's what happens. But know that that can affect you, and it also can create anxiety as well. But I would agree you know, Steve, all of us carry our weight differently. And some people make it look easy with the weight that they're carrying. And so sometimes that's that camouflage, that, that false perception that we give people and we make it look easy. But the reality is it's not easy. But we all have baggage in some kind of ways. The important thing is do you know what's in your baggage? Because even if you go to the airport again, they will say, has your luggage been in your possession the whole time? Oh. So that becomes important. And the same thing in your life is sometimes we have given other people our backpack and we keep letting them put stuff in there. So my, my encouragement is get your backpack back so you can start unpacking some of that stuff so you can go ahead and do what you need to do with your own life and move around as such because if not, you will be hindered on where you're meant to go carrying other people's stuff. And I think that's a lot of what's in people's backpacks. Some of it is your stuff, but some of it is other people's stuff, your parents, your family, it could be work stuff, it could be friend stuff, it could be even stuff in your past. That's the other part, too. Some stuff in your backpack you don't even need anymore. You're just carrying it around like it's, you know, a security blanket. Mm. So I think some people become comfortable with their baggage as well. And so that's something, too, that I think is, you know, encouraging a person to challenge themselves to unpack it. And when you unpack it, you know, you might be alarmed at first at what you find, but if you keep on going, you will be amazed and what it gives you in return once you unpack it. You know, I never thought of it in those terms, Alice, that in your your suitcase, your backpack, you're carrying potentially other people's stuff, and Mm -hmm. you you don't even realize it. And what we're saying here is you you internalize something that uh, somebody else was dealing with or or you dealt with their issue, and it affected you. Now you're carrying that around. And you really need to get rid of it. So let's talk about the the ways to get rid of those things that uh, we carry around. You know, is it is it, are there exercises we can do? You know, mentally, is it just come down to yeah, you know, talk talk to a therapist like yourself, counsel, and and figure it all out that way. Yes, that is one way. Other ways is to recognize the power of recognition is life changing. Because when you can recognize something, that means you can do something about it. So I would say the first thing is recognizing what's in your backpack. So that's, I would say, just start there. Looking at how is what you're carrying affecting you. So some of this will be more, if you will, self-discovery, self-awareness is what I'm actually talking about, that self-reflection piece of it that you can, all, you can do inside of, you know, a counseling setting, but you can also begin to do the work 
you know, yourself um, before going to counseling too, but looking, looking at yourself and saying, hey, what am I carrying? Do I know what I'm carrying? So the first thing is being aware of what you're carrying. I would say the next thing is learning to increase your emotional intelligence. That becomes important when dealing with emotional baggage. And emotional intelligence, you know, is the ability to understand your own emotions and other people's. Sometimes growing up, we're told how to feel. And so you can live your life feeling how other people have told you to feel. So it becomes important for you to learn yourself. How do I feel about this? So checking in with yourself becomes something important, too. Did I like what just happened? Did what just happened bother me? You know, and so being able to know how you feel becomes important. And so I will tell you this, it does sound elementary in nature, but one of the things that I tell my clients to do is to get a feelings chart that has faces on it with words underneath it. Because sometimes we might can't connect to the word, but that face fits where I am. So part of that is increasing your emotional vocabulary, learning more words than sad, mad, and glad. We have so many other emotions that exist in our life. So I would say increasing your emotional vocabulary is something that you can do uh, as well. And then also, often recognizing what are you doing to continue perpetuating the baggage that you're carrying. So, like, what part do you play in this? So that becomes something important, too. And then knowing, guess what? You're the owner of your backpack now. So you get to do what you need to do with your backpack. And you don't need nobody else's permission. Like, give yourself permission to unpack your own bag. And whenever you unpack it, if you don't need that item anymore, discard it. You don't have to keep carrying it around because you're just used to it. Because sometimes we do that because we're comfortable, we're familiar with it. So we carry things around. So I would say when it comes to emotional baggage, it's number one, recognizing it. And how is it showing up in your life? And what do you want to do about it when it shows up? Would you say that it doesn't always show up? And would we call that the trigger? You know, where occasionally, you know, you might have it zipped up nice and tight and then something something happens and all of a sudden, you know, the zipper gets pulled on the backpack and <laughs> something comes out and then you got to deal with it. Uh, is that what we would call a trigger? Very much so. It can be a trigger. And part of that when it comes to the emotional baggage is when a person is living in two worlds, in the past and in the present. And a trigger is a past pain in a present moment. Give me that again. A trigger is a, say that again. A trigger is a past pain in a present moment. Got it. Yep. And so, and so part of that is you're living in two different worlds, and so that may reveal that piece of baggage that you're carrying or what's inside the baggage. But, yes, sometimes individuals do not know because it can be repressed. It could be suppressed, too. And so some of it could be you just have it so tight down in the bag that you don't even know it's there until someone comes along and almost like accidentally bumps your backpack and it falls out. And it's like, oh, my goodness, what is that? And then sometimes we can be embarrassed that it came out. And so we try to put it back in again instead of saying, hey, you know what? I need to deal with this. I don't need to keep putting it back in my backpack. Yeah. And that's where you come in. Seriously. Seriously. How does the, to get rid of the emotional baggage, how does it start with you? So we first just begin to talk. Like the first, I would say in your story, you know, part of that, I, I'm a big person with metaphors. And so sometimes I might give an example to see, you know, where the client is. 
so we can begin there. Like, for example, I might say something like, uh, if you pack a backpack to go to Hawaii, you normally will pack warm clothes. And let's say you t- return home. And when you return home, you keep the same backpack packed. And then it's time to go to, let's say, Alaska. And you take those same clothes you had in Hawaii to Alaska. So I would ask the client, what do you think about that? And how does that relate to your life? And so we will explore that. One possibility how it relates is I'm carrying things in one season that's not useful in another season. So it tells me that I have to learn what I need to carry in my backpack. So some of that is part of it. Some of it also is exploring, helping the client just begin to unzip the backpack. So before we even look at what's in there, are you ready to unzip it? Asking the client, is this your backpack? Do you recognize this backpack? Because sometimes clients don't even recognize the backpack. So we first start with, do you, do you know this backpack? You know, what is this back? What's inside this backpack? You know, and they might say, I don't know, or I'm afraid to unzip it. And so they might come up with a lot of different things. And so some of it can be gentle at first, like slowly unzipping it. And backpacks normally have different compartments. So we might start with a smaller compartment before we get to that the bigger part that carries probably more of the weight, you know, if you will. So part of that is kind of looking at um, what's there and what do you want to do, because I also allow the client to determine. Because I don't want to go faster than the client. So if the client says, no, I don't want to address that, you know, I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to address? And so some of it is just awareness. Some of it is education, you know, and just helping them understand that they may be carrying things around that they don't even need anymore. So a lot of there's awareness, too, that exists. Wow. I love your awareness. I love the fact that you are really plugged into it. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You don't mess around. You don't. You get right to the heart of the matter, and and it's it's almost like you just steamroll through and make the transformation happen, because you've seen it, you've you've lived through it, uh, and again, we all have backpacks, we all carry the baggage, we're all dealing with it, you know, at all times. Uh, TransformingMindsets.com is your website, and it is a free consult to start, right? Yes, you get a fifteen free, a fifteen minute free consult, so you can actually reach out. To me, and we can have that conversation, find out what you're looking for, you know, what you're needing, and then we actually go from there. And when you were saying that, Steve, about the steamrolling it, sometimes that is the best way to do it. Turn the backpack upside down and just shaking everything out of it. Love it. That's <laughs> I love it. it right? And so and when you do that, it helps you to pack light. So that's what I want to encourage everyone to do as, as they begin to move forward in the next months and years of their life. I want you to learn to travel light. And so there's some words I thought of you, Steve, when I um, was thinking about the topic today. And it's a song by um, Erica Badu entitled Bag Lady. Ooh. And so I want to share the words in the song, just briefly some of the words, and then um, hopefully it will be an encouragement to someone. And she starts off by saying, Bag Lady, you going to hurt your back. Dragon all them bags like that. I guess nobody ever told you all you must hold on to is you, is you, is you. One day, all them bags going to get in your way. I said one day, all them bags going to get in your way. So pack light. Bag lady. 
Let it go, let it go, let it go. That's what I want us to learn today. Start mm. letting it go. Whatever's in that backpack, start working on it. If it's not, if it's not taking you to your new destination, if you don't need it on your journey, listen, let it go. Because I want you to soar to the highest altitude that you were created to do. And some of us are eagles, but we continue staying as chickens because we want to unpack our backpack so we can soar. Well, you can't take off. The plane can't take off with too much luggage either. And thank you for sharing those those lyrics, man. That is so good. And 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 it, it's true. One day they're going to get in your way. They are going to get in your way. Uh, would you rather deal with a, you know, a duffel bag, a small little, you know, string duffel bag, or would you rather deal with this big behemoth, barely closable? suitcase what 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 do you want to deal with I, i'll take the duffel bag you know with the strings <laughs> like, yeah, any day any day any day any day yep a lot easier go to the website and uh transform your life transforming mindsets.com alice i appreciate you thank you so much for today thank you steve you have an amazing weekend talk to you soon you too Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.